In 2015, a former Jehovah's Witness that voluntarily left the Jehovah's Witness faith filed a lawsuit against the Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses based on the following charges for inciting discrimination on the basis of religious beliefs against a person and against a group and inciting hatred or violence against a person and against a group. Eventually, a group of former Jehovah's Witnesses joined in the lawsuit. On March 16, 2021, the Belgium Court of Gent ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, awarding them monetary compensation. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. The Belgium case is very interesting, especially in the approach of the attorneys toward this case. All of us are familiar with this fellowshipping and shunning. We know for years this has been the the way in which Jehovah's Witnesses treat people who either disfellowship or disassociated. But what was very unique about this case is how it was handled in court by the attorneys representing those 15 plaintiffs. You see, they separated disfellowshipping and shunning. They merely acknowledged, yes, every organization has the right to be able to remove people that they feel don't meet up to their standards or whatever. They had no problem with that. But the shunning, oh, that's where things change. You see, that's where the Watchtower literally got in trouble. They attempted to do a very unique trick, and it didn't work in this particular case. I'd like to share with you what approach the Watchtower's lawyers were trying to take. And here's how the Watchtower's lawyer responded. Lawyer Dimitri DeBecco, assisted by a Dutch colleague, who is a Jehovah's Witness himself, represented the only defendant, the nonprofit organization, Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. They deny that shunning is imposed by the organization. Jehovah's Witnesses adhere to a strict and literal interpretation of the Bible. Certain families may decide not to associate with each other anymore, which can clearly lead to painful scenes. But is that therefore a policy? There is still free will. So it was implicitly told that it is not forbidden to have contact with ex-members. Here we go again. The Watchtower is trying to play that same trick that they have been playing for years. Blame the individual and not the organization. You see, they were trying to argue in court that we do not require people to shun their families. That's a personal choice if they want to do that. Well, anybody who's been disfellowshipped, disassociated, individual knows that is not the case. In fact, every Jehovah's Witness knows shunning is required because if not, 
you yourself can end up in a judicial meeting because of that. They said it's free will. It's up to you. Everybody knows that's not the case. If a Jehovah's Witness has her three children over who are all disfellowship and they're out there barbecuing and every weekend they're doing something together, that's not going to be free will soon, is it? No, it's not. The brothers will be involved. The elders will be here. So when we see the Watchtower go into court and try to argue things, what it is, and it's very simple, it goes back to what we have always said. It's important to know the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses and their culture. You see, in many cases, the Watchtower, when they try to shift it to the individual, they know that people do not realize that there are actually three policies on disfellowshipping. There's how do you treat a person who is disfellowship, who is totally unrelated to you? That's one way. How do you treat a disfellowship person who is in the house? That's another way. And third and last, how do you treat a disfellowship person in the family who lives outside of the house? These types of nuances that take place in Jehovah's Witnesses' arrangements, most people know nothing about them. And so what they will do and what they will argue in a case like this is, well, if a husband or wife is his fellowship, relationships still go on. It's still husband, wife. And if it's a child, you know, the children still be told, take the trash out, you know, cut the grass. So that's it's normal family relationships. They see, they know that the person don't know about what happens if the person is outside. And that's what we are discussing in this video today. What happens when a person does not live in the same household? Does this individual themselves decide, I'm not going to have any contact? Or is it a requirement? Well, the best thing we can do is let the Watchtower speak for itself. We'd like to share a clip with you. Take note. A simple hello to someone can be the first step that develops into a conversation and maybe even a friendship. Would we want to take that first step with a disfellowshipped person? September 15th, 1981, Watchtower, page 25. This particular article here literally was the foundation upon which the new disfellowshipping policies were going to be based on. This is when the real hardline position started to form. Some of us, we recall that this was after Raymond Franz had been this fellowship. The Watchtower produced this study article, and we went over it and we learned for the first time how we were to actually treat people. And you see how they started out so simple. Hello. And if you notice carefully, they did not tell Jehovah's Witnesses that you should not talk to a disfellowship person. The Watchtower writers, they're too smooth, they're too slick. Instead, they raise what a good lawyer would call a nice leading question. Should you want to say hello to a disfellowship person? Of course, the answer is no. And yet, this allows the Watchtower to make the statement, see, we didn't tell them not to say hello. We just asked the question. This is why it's so important to understand the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses. You see, that's a good leading question because every witness would know the only answer to that, the only correct answer to that during that Watchtower study was to say, no, 
we would not want to even say hello. The Watchtower also uses video to teach Jehovah's Witnesses. A training video very similar to the one we're about to show you was shown to over 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses around the world, letting them know that if you are a parent, this is how you are supposed to treat your child when they are not at home and disfellowship. I tried to contact them. I just wanted to talk and to hear their voice. I missed being with my family. And they thought about reaching out to me. But they knew that if they had associated with me, even a little, just to check on me, that small dose of association might have satisfied me. Can you imagine that? You have a child who's trying to call their parents and the parent refuses, refuses to even pick up the phone. And how long will this last where the child calls home and the parents will not pick up the phone? It can happen for the rest of their life as long as they are no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. This religion punishes you for leaving. Now, some Jehovah's Witnesses who have disfellowshipped children or disfellowshipped family members, they've tried to come up with creative ways so that they can get in contact with their family that's disfellowshipped. So what would they do? Well, they wouldn't call them. Instead, they would text them. So if the brothers asked them, have you talked to your child recently? They could say, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Well, you see, the Watchtower got hip to that. And they decided to put a stop to that. Notice what the Watchtower says. The January 1st, 2013 Watchtower, page 16, denies family communication by email, stating, Do not look for excuses to associate with a disfellowshipped family member, for example, through email. Interestingly, whilst the translation into most languages is the same, the Spanish edition extends this to email, phone, or text messaging. So when this attorney said that the Watchtower does not impose, people have free will, that it's not even a policy, well, you just read it yourself. It is a policy. It is imposed. And every Jehovah's Witness is expected to follow it. So now it continues on when you start looking at what the facts actually are. Remember now, they were arguing in court that shunning is not imposed. And finally, what the Watchtower always does is they sign God's name to it. Notice this clip. What if we have a relative or a close friend who is disfellowshipped? Now our loyalty is on the line, not to that person, but to God. Jehovah is watching us to see whether we will abide by his command, not to have contact with anyone who is disfellowshipped. April 15th, 2012 Watchtower. Page 12. So we see when the watchtower walks into the courtroom and they begin to argue that it's up to the individual to decide if they want to shun their family or not. We see clearly that the evidence don't support that. Can you imagine 
that because we live in such a high-tech society today, it becomes very easy for members of the court to find the same documentations that we just looked at. Can you imagine how the judges and those in the courtroom must feel as they're sitting on one side of the bench listening to an argument that we don't impose shunning is up to the family? They're sitting here with the same quotes that we just read. It's all, it has got to be insulting to these attorneys as they're thinking, we, we sent our intern out and she found this for us. And here you are arguing this. So please share your story below. Let people know that yes, yes, shunning is imposed on your family. And what makes it so sad is that your family members who are still in, they know that if they exercise this free will, they will be punished as well. As many of you may remember, we did a video on Jehovah's Witnesses and the $35 million lawsuit. And in this particular video, the lawyers were able to obtain the financial records of the Watchtower. And there were two corporations, the Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And they released the figures. The Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses at that time only had about $50 million. But the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, they had $1.5 billion. The reason I bring this up is because it really shows how the Watchtower is very good at the shell game. You see, in this particular case, the corporation that was being sued was the Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses as the Watchtower plays the shell game with their money. It will be interesting to see how they respond. Will they appeal this case? Only time will tell. But we will be watching and we will be talking about it when it happens. The Watchtower Society makes this powerful statement in the July 2009 Awake, page 29. No one should be forced to worship in a way that he finds unacceptable or be made to choose between his beliefs and his family. As we have said many times, you are critical thinkers. No one does hypocrisy like the Watchtower. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to hit the like button. But more importantly, be sure to share this with someone. This might be that final piece that they need for their puzzle to find out exactly what they are a part of. This has been JT. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.